0: Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Rick Thomas and you are listening to Your Daily Drive. Would you like to chat? We have a place for you. We have forums on our website. The web address is rickthomas.net. If you have any question pertaining to life and godliness, that's what we do. We answer those questions all day long, 7 days a week. Send your question in, and as many people do say, you are really prompt. We want to be prompt. We want to pay attention to you. We want to listen to you, and we want to serve you well. There is no charge for this. You can reach out on our public forums and create your username and password, and we will be glad to help you with whatever it is that you may be going through. We also have a private forum that is for our supporting community. It is our supporting community that makes the free forum free. Nothing is free, not even the gospel. It costs a man his life, and we do need underwriters for our ministry, and there are a number of people who believe in what we do, they have benefited from it, and they want to help support it in some way, starting at $5 a month, and I would encourage you to do that as well. You can be part of our missionary team. We are cyber missionaries that go all over the world every day, 365 days out of the year. I would love for you to be part of our missionary team. We are penetrating cultures, families, churches, individuals. People are being helped all over the place, and I do want our supporting community to know that they are an integral part of what God is doing through this ministry, and so thank you so much for your support. Please go on our private forums, supporting members, and you can ask your questions there. I have a delicate, a sensitive, challenging, and sobering podcast that I want to share with you. I want to talk about loss, grief, despair, pain. I want to talk about the hard things that some of us have gone through, and and I hope it's an encouragement to you. This podcast has cross-application, meaning that it will apply to whatever grieving or difficult situation that you are going through, even though I am talking about a specific topic, and it is suicide. The title of this podcast and the article on the website is Surviving Suicide, When You're Left Alone. I had a lady write me a number of years ago from another country And I wrote this article for her in response to her question. Her son had committed suicide, and so I wrote something for her because that's what we do, and I wanted to serve her well. And so I wanted to also put this in a podcast, and now I'm able to do that. I hope it will benefit you. If you want to read this podcast, please go on our website, rickthomas.net. Look for the title, Surviving Suicide When You're Left Alone. Again, it will apply to any person who has gone through loss, specifically significant loss, because it hurts when you are left alone, regardless of how the grief came to you. It could be adultery. It could be a divorce that we're talking about. It could be the premature death of a child, but whatever it may be, it is hard, and we need to help one another, and I trust this will help you. Death. Look at that word. Think about that word. Say it out loud. There is nothing happy about the word Death is gray, dark, sad, and hopeless. It is unflinching and unyielding. It makes no apologies. It is the point of no return. Death is the end of the road. A few years ago, specifically May the second, twenty or two thousand and twelve, Junior Seau took a gun and shot himself in the chest. He chose to end his life. Now, I suspect many of you do not know who Junior Seau was, that you do not know the man. He was a football player in the National Football League. He played for the San Diego Chargers and the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. Within a week of him taking his life, we all moved on. Today's world lives at the speed of the Internet news has no shelf life anymore maybe a 24 hour news cycle possibly a 48 hour news cycle but that's about it we quickly replace yesterday's noise with today's stories the important things from last week are a vague memory unless you were married to junior sao Or if you were his father, mother, sibling, or a close friend, what he did, his water cooler chatter or a Facebook update. Isn't it odd how we can hear of a person's suicide or some other loss, file it as a temporary sadness in our short-term memory, and quickly move on to the next thing? How many news events can you recall from six months ago? They came. They went. There is no paper trail or emotional connection to those things that were worthy of news back then. Today's noise has shouted down the sounds from yesterday. Unless, of course, it was your relative who took his life. Unless it was your son, your daughter, your spouse. My brother did not take his life, but his wife did. She decided to take a gun, similar to what Junior Sayao did. But instead of turning it on herself, she killed him, my brother. What she did at that moment has connected my mind to a moment that will never go away. I can't tell you what happened three months ago from whatever news stream I was looking at, but I can tell you what happened on a dark Friday night in April of 1997. Let me share with you about my friend Mabel. Her son took his life. He pulled out his gun and shot himself in the head. He died, leaving his mom standing at the end of the road alone alone. She'll never forget that day. Time has frozen it inside of her mind. She cannot cover it up with a better day when there was life, family, and happiness. Whatever good things life, family, and happiness brought to her, it does not overpower or overshadow that day when her son took his life. And there is no future day on earth where she can embrace her son. He left her standing at the end of the road alone. His death is a giant, unmovable boulder. All other events are like the wind that swirls around the boulder and vanishes. Mabel lives with one indelible memory of what could have been. Nobody notices it but she cannot help but see it. Sometimes she feels like a compelled amputee who reaches to scratch her leg. She leans forward to scratch, only to recall that she's not an amputee. Part of Mabel died with her son, which is why part of the torment is this phantom itch. Her mind tries to wrap itself around what happened. There are so many questions. But all the answers went with her, with her son to his grave. She searches in vain for what nobody can fully answer. The best explanation, even though it does sound harsh when you initially hear it, is that it was sin that put her son in the cemetery Suicide, like anything else outside of God's moral will, is a sin. This is the primary way that I could overcome what happened to my brother. Oh, I probably could go and ask my sister-in-law, and by the way, I did. And she would tell me so many things, which she did, but ultimately none of those things satisfied Even if I knew every possible detail of what happened and why it happened, it it wouldn't satisfy. Facts don't satisfy when the loss is so great. The only thing that remotely brought satisfaction is the reality of this heinous sin that is a part of all of our lives. As far as Mabel's son, it was sin. He was selfish. He was not thinking about what he was leaving behind. At at least those thoughts were not more powerful than his awareness about what he wanted to do to himself. In a selfish moment, he ended his life. Now, at some point, I would want to let Mabel know this, but I would say this guardedly, carefully, compassionately, appropriately, and at the right time because it would be hard for her to hear, but she needs to be released from any guilt or shame or whatever agonizing thought that she may have in her mind coursing through her brain. Ultimately, as harsh and odd as it may sound, it was sin. Now, I would not tell her at first because her grief is tremendous and she needs to cry. She needs time and space. She's not ready for that kind of biblical clarity and honesty. In time, the numbness will wear off, and there will be many thoughts that will fight for control of her mind, and that's when you need to step in with a person who is grieving. You need to interject biblical clarity because her mind can go to some bad places. And at that time, when it's appropriate, and there's no cookie-cutter way of knowing this, but as the Spirit leads you, You will need to stabilize her by the words of God. As to the why question, why did he take his life? The most biblical answer is that her son was self-centered. It was sinful. It doesn't make it right, but sin is never right. She will need to come to terms with the doctrine of sin as it pertains specifically to her son. If she does not do this, she will experience ongoing guilt. Crippling shame, powerful fear, controlling anger, hopelessness, and possibly could go so far that she could lose her faith in God. Many have. She will look for answers that will never come. She will wrestle with a mystery that is too great for her to unravel. The only thing that will make any biblical sense at all, and no matter how sad it may sound to her lonely ears, her son chose to sin. To end your life is the ultimate act of self-centeredness. It was a volitional reaction that he was responsible for making. Mabel did not cause her son to do this. Competing and unbiblical ideas and desires became cancerous until they turned on him James said it this way in James 1, 14 and 15. Listen to the half-brother of Jesus. He said, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. I call this the LSD passage. Lured to sin... To death, LSD, her son was lured by captivating thoughts, whatever they may have been. Those captivating thoughts lured him, brought him to a place of sin, and he made a volitional decision to sin. And of course, when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. That's James 1, 14 and 15. This scenario is not a hard thing to understand unless it is your son, unless you were the one left standing at the end of the road alone. It is in this seemingly impossible moment where I would want Mabel to know that Christ and his grace is more significant than all our sin. All of her son's sins, especially her son's sin, God's grace is more powerful, significant, and transformative. She will come to understand this in time. In time, the grace of God will displace the pain in her soul, but she will have to make a choice. All grieving people have to make a choice. She'll have to choose to let her son go. And this is the hard part. Especially with those who have gone through loss, whether it's suicide or some other form of death or divorce, as I mentioned earlier. She must give up the woulda, shoulda, coulda for the grace of God. There comes a time when we are, we are called to let something go while grabbing onto something else. It's like the trapeze artist as they're swinging through space on a bar Attached to two ropes, at some point they have to let go of that bar, but as they do that, they reach forward to something else. It is not unusual for a person like Mabel to not want to let go of the grief she carries for her son because to let go is the closing curtain call. It's the final bow. It's the last admission that life as she has known it is no more. Grief can become a person's way of keeping something alive. To move on is to acknowledge he is dead, that it is over. I've seen cases where the one left behind can feel a sense of guilt if they let the dead person go. By holding on to the grief, the survivor has a sense of extending his life, in this case, Mabel's life of her son. It is make-believe but it is all she has for now. It is her salvation. The process of letting him go continues indefinitely. It is a psychological way of not allowing him to go, a thought warfare. Grief becomes their way of coping. He was alive. He is dead. I am grieving, and I have to move on. In their mind, to move on is to say it is over, and and they're not ready to say it is over. They can't say it is over, especially for a son who has not lived his expected allotment of years. A person like Mabel could talk herself into feeling guilty if she let her son go. She was not prepared to say goodbye to her son, and she refuses to say goodbye now. Isn't this why we put flowers on the graves of those we love? What are we doing? We are remembering. It is our way of staying connected. I would put connected in quotation marks, but it's our way of staying connected to the dead. If they died of natural causes, it would be easier to let them go. We would grieve for a season and put it past us, but premature death is another animal. They were not supposed to go this way, and we are not prepared to let them. Grief is the coupler that connects the living with the dead. This tension reminds me of the death scene of Jack in the movie Titanic. Jack was seeing this girl named Rose, and Rose and Jack were floating in the cold, icy waters of the North Atlantic. Within minutes, Jack died of hypothermia. Rose did not want to let him go as he was clinging on to their raft. Eventually, she did the impossible. And the next scene shows Jack sinking to the bottom of the Atlantic. Think about how hard that would be if it was somebody that you truly loved. How to let the person go. And that's what I want to talk about in this podcast. I want to share with you six things that you would want to come along and share with Mabel. Mabel, if you're listening to me right now, if you are suffering the loss, the grief, the pain of separation of something or someone that you love so much, The title of this podcast is Surviving Suicide When You're Left Alone. Well, there are six things that I would love to share with you, and I want to share them in order of of significance, the way that you need to work through them. And the first of those six things is weep with those who weep. Sometimes there's nothing more important to do but cry with a person Words can actually get in the way of some sorrows. In the song, Empty Chairs and Empty Tables from the play Les Miserables, the opening lines go like this. Here's the stanza. There's a grief that can't be spoken. There's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs at empty tables. Now my friends are dead and gone. There is a grief that cannot be spoken. I have been here. Mabel needs a friend to cry with her. She needs a friend to walk with her through the shadow of the valley of death. Romans 12:15 says, weep with those who weep. Point number one, as you learn or how to learn to let someone go, well, first we want to acknowledge them. We want to acknowledge the pain, the sorrow, the loss. We want to weep with those who weep. I have three other articles embedded in this one. They're all autobiographical. The first one is, My Mother Died Last Night, A Few Thoughts After Life, and then there is a tandem message that goes with it. That article is also linked here called, From Despair to Hope, Grieving the Death of a Loved One. I would encourage you to read these two articles or listen to the podcast if you prefer, Then there's a third one, when Christianity disappoints you, the death of my brother that I had mentioned earlier. God, in his mercy to me, his love for me, he has given me a few things to think about and to work through in my life, and I want you to benefit from the things that he has taught me. You can read those three articles, and I trust that will help you. How do you let someone go? How do you move on? Well, first, we want to acknowledge, and we want to weep with those who weep. Number two, We need to understand the dividing nature of sin. Mabel will have to come to terms with sin and and what sin does. She will not get all the answers to her questions, and even if someone could thoroughly explain everything to her, as I said earlier, it would not satisfy. Her son chose to sin. It's cold. It's hard. It is the only truth that explains thoroughly what happened and why it happened. It was sin. It would not serve her soul to go beyond biblical revelations, biblical ideas and concepts, teachings that are found in the Bible. Sin has torn her soul. That is what sin does. Like a tornado ripping through a town, Mabel has been ripped apart by the evil of another. She needs to understand the dividing nature of sin. Number one, need to weep with those who weep. Number three, Guard her against sin. She may be tempted to blame herself in some way. She is not responsible for anyone's sin other than her own. Her son chose the wrong thing to do, and he'll have to stand before God for his actions. She will not stand before God for his behaviors I would also want to insert here that suicide is not the unpardonable sin, that he can be in heaven even if he committed suicide. Now, if Mabel has sinned against her son in some way, she'll need to rest in the cleansing promises of God. We confess our sins to God and live in the freedom that he offers. We can do this because of the gospel, She will not be able to transact forgiveness with her son for anything that's still out there, but with an attitude of forgiveness, she can ask God to forgive her, and she can rest in the cleansing power of the gospel. How do you let someone go? Well, number one, we want to weep with those who weep. Number two, we want to understand the dividing nature of sin. Number three, we want to guard our hearts against sin. Number four, we want to celebrate what you had together. Her son may be gone, but the memories are hers to celebrate. I share many stories about my brother with my children. We laugh a lot, especially like, for example, the time when he jumped on a bicycle and didn't realize that the bicycle had no brakes and he rode it down the hill to grandmother's house. True story. And the only place that he could stop was running into the barn door. Well, unfortunately, the barn door opened and he went inside and he was laying on the ground with a bull staring at him. Not a good day for my brother. But we all have our stories. Mabel will have to remember her son that way. Mabel can celebrate what she had, not what she wishes she had. That's formulaic for grief. Grief. If she does not do this, her grief will eventually turn to bitterness and possibly anger, even anger toward God, but probably, first of all, anger toward her friends. Her pain will strain her relationship with her friends. So point number four, celebrate what you had to gather. Number five, rest in God's mystery. There is a lot of mystery that surrounds suicide. In the case of Junior Seau, the football player, people look for answers, some speculated that it was due to the concussions he received during his playing days, maybe. Others are saying he could not cope with a regular non-football life. Possibly there is a mystery to his death and they want to know why. That is normal. Here's what God says about mystery. In Deuteronomy 29:29. he says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God does not reveal everything to us, and he's not obligated to disclose his full mind on everything. One of the reasons he does not tell us everything is because he wants us to rest in him and not in the facts of the situation. We want to know the facts because that bolsters our faith. Our faith must be in God, especially when we don't have the answers. How do you let someone go? Number six, you must believe that God will wipe away your tears. One of the most amazing things about the word of God is the assurance we get from him that he will wipe away all of our tears and sorrows. Now, let me, for full disclosure, let me tell you, I have no idea how he is going to do this, but I believe him. It has been this act of forward looking, thinking, and living that has helped me through my grief. When I look backward at what has happened, I shake my head in maddening unbelief. I can't keep doing that. I must be a forward looker. When I look forward, my heart begins to change. My faith receives a boost. It's a fantastic thing. God is going to make all things right. I do not understand the intricacies of this truth, but I choose to trust him. It's Revelation 21.4. You know it. It says, John wrote, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's John the Beloved writing on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation 21.4. The title of this podcast is Surviving Suicide When You're Left Alone. Here Here are six things that you want to do. You want to weep with those who weep. Understand the dividing nature of sin. Guard your heart against sin. Celebrate what you had together. Rest in God's mystery. And number six, believe God will wipe away your tears. Here's your call to action. What kind of sorrow are you experiencing? Perhaps it's not the suicide of a close friend or a relative. Maybe your sadness is of another color. Regardless, it's sad. It's hard. It's challenging to you. And if it is you, will you take some time to reflect on these three questions that I want to ask you? Here's the first one. Is the grace of God practically more sustaining to you than the sorrow you're experiencing You must appropriate the grace of God in your life, and it must be stronger than the sorrow, the depth and the pain of the sorrow. And if the grace of God is not more powerful, why not? Number two, are there things you are doing that keeps you connected to your loss in an unhealthy way? Would you talk to one caring and courageous friend about this, someone who will speak the truth in love? Ask them their perspective on how you are grieving Are you engaging others so you may benefit from their care, as imperfect as their care may be to you? Or are you choosing to pull away from the community of faith? You cannot isolate. That would be dangerous for your soul. It will be dangerous for your long-term care. Again, the title of the podcast is Surviving Suicide When You Are Left Alone. If we could serve you in any way, would you reach out to our ministry, rickthomas.net, and let us serve you? It would be our joy and our pleasure. We will engage you. You don't have to isolate. Let us know how. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. God bless.